Today I'm talking with Kate Flynn, the founder and CEO of Sun and Swell, a snack food company deeply committed to healthy whole foods. There are a lot of snack food companies in the world, but Sun and Swell stands out among the masses because they are so seriously committed to pure ingredients that even the pickiest healthy eaters, <laughs> me, can eat their products. Kate shares how a New Year's Eve resolution turned her personal relationship to food around, how she went from specifically not wanting to have a business of her own to being a successful entrepreneur, what it's like running a super healthy snack food business in today's climate, and how she takes care of herself to stay inspired and on track with her work. If any of that sounds interesting to you, I think you're going to enjoy hearing from Kate. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me today. First. I just found your products while I was in Santa Barbara at All Juice, and I loved it. So many snack food companies. They have some ingredients in there that are not as pure and whole food oriented as I would choose to put in my body if I wasn't in a rush, but sometimes still have to choose. And I wanted to learn more about you and what you guys are doing. How long have you been a company? So we started... Officially in 2016 is when we came up with the idea and started all the recipe development. We launched online in late 2016 and our first store was in January 2017. We've been on shelves for about two years now. So it was about a year of product development before Mm -hmm. launch. Yeah. We were starting to toy with the idea of leaving San Francisco and moving to Santa Barbara, which is our, our heart is just in Santa Barbara. Me and my co-founder and husband, Brian, we both went to school in Santa Barbara. We got married here. It was always just our dream to move back here. And at that time, the idea of our company started to come about. And so we worked on the recipe and planning the launch. And when we, after we moved to Santa Barbara, we officially launched it. We started to bring it to the market at events. We did like a local triathlon. We set up a little booth there. That was all after about six months. And Mm -hmm. then we officially brought it to market, like to the stores after about nine months. You started with a slightly different product, right? Can you tell me how the seed for the very first idea got planted in your head? For sure. So it started with honestly me doing the Whole30 back in January 2016, which was the first time in my life that I ever focused on eating ingredients over counting calories, counting carbs. My entire life, I've kind of struggled with my relationship with food and what it really means to eat healthy. And I mean, I had borderline eating disorder. And like when I was a teenager, I binge ate all through college. I tried every diet, every cleanse, every possible thing in the book throughout my twenties. And I finally discovered this concept of just eating whole real foods as close to their natural state as possible. And doing eating like that for 30 days was just completely eye-opening. Not only did I feel better than ever, I started focusing on wins, Uh, Like have I had my body felt versus what the scale said, my asthma that I battled with my entire life went away. So I started to have all of these overall improvements in all aspects of my life. And I really became committed to eating really clean ingredients, which is what we define as, you know, whole real foods. Um, Something that not only you can pronounce, but that you'd actually have in your pantry. Just for people who don't know what the Whole30 is, can you give me a quick definition of that? For sure. So Um, The Whole30 focuses on, um, for 30 days, cutting out any ingredients that could possibly have any negative effects on your body. So the key things you don't eat on the Whole30 are gluten, dairy, refined sugar, or any added sugar. So you can eat fruit, sugar, and alcohol is another big one. The whole premise being eating whole real foods as close to their natural state as possible. 
when I started eating this way, Brian naturally started to eat this way too. The idea started with, okay, there's a lack of products in general on the market that can fit this lifestyle. If I'm trying to avoid chemicals, preservatives, added sugars, there's a very limited amount of things on the market that I can actually buy. The specific need for us at that time was we were both training for marathons. And when we were training for the marathons, they all, like during the training programs, they always encourage you to get these goos that you can, these little goo packs that you can use to fuel your body with calories throughout your runs. But um, because we were doing the whole 30 at the time, we couldn't eat the, like the goos packs were completely off limits. We couldn't make exceptions and eat the goo packs while we were running. So we had to find our own alternative. And that's where we found, we basically came up with an alternative to goo that was just date water and a little bit of salt. It tasted really good. It was just like a little squeeze pack, but that's what we trained for the marathon on. Brian ended up running the Boston marathon on this like homemade goo and he like performed better than ever. So we felt really great about this original product. We kind of did a little bit of market research and by market research, I mean, putting up Facebook polls and asking our friends, like we started, we kind of tested the concept a little bit. And we also, at this time, we're trying to figure out if it, there was even a way to physically bring this product to the market, like if it was a product that could be shelf stable or if it would have to be refrigerated. Um, and we just ran into a lot of challenges with this in initial idea, but we were still so passionate about the idea of bringing products that were just made with whole food ingredients. And um, at that time, so we were like, well, what other needs do we have? And it was kind of sitting right in front of us. I'm like, well, I don't have any snack foods and I'm working in the, I'm working in a corporate office you know, 10 hours a day, I don't have any food to grab. And I'm constantly feeling like I have to compromise on what I'm eating for snacks. And um, our initial product that we launched, which were the date and cashew balls, um, was something that I was making for myself at home. It was, you know, really one of those moments where we just had a need. We had something that we were forced to make ourselves because we couldn't find products in stores. And we went from there. We made some prototypes. We started sampling them, refined the recipe a little bit. But ultimately, the recipe that we brought to market was literally what I was making in my home kitchen. So this is a really successful example of a New Year's resolution, it sounds yeah. like. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Can you take me back um, even like what you studied in college and then yeah. your early career before sure. Sun and Swell? Yeah, so I studied at UC Santa Barbara. I did my major was business economics with an accounting emphasis. So I knew I liked numbers, I liked math. I wasn't sure exactly what I wanted to do and ended up working in accounting afterwards. So I, I did three years in audit. After doing three years in accounting, I realized that wasn't really what I was really passionate about for a long-term career. So I went back to, I got my um, business degree. And after I got my business degree, I went into management consulting and I was focused exclusively on consulting in the retail and consumer products industry. So I worked with brands on overall strategy. So if they were thinking of, um, if it was a retailer and they were trying to add stores, where should they add stores? How many stores should they add? Or we would help companies think about who their consumer is and how to target that core consumer through marketing efforts and different sales strategies. In that world of management consulting and that emphasis, I actually had a lot of experience with snack food companies. Starting the company was the first time I was really working in the kitchen and making product myself, but I had a lot of the kind of experience from overall strategy of, you know, the importance of having a defined consumer target audience and the importance of design and kind of general strategy elements. I heard you say previously that you did not ever intend to start your own business and uh, becoming an entrepreneur was almost an accident. Your husband had more of a, a bent towards entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. Can you talk to me about your previous resistance to being an entrepreneur mm -hmm. and how that changed for you? I've always told myself historically that I like stability. I like comfort. I'm not a risk taker. I think I put all these notions in my head of who I was based on what career path I'd followed historically. Um, you know, I, the jobs I took were ones that were, would leave me financially secure. Um, ones that maybe I was working a lot of hours, but it was really good to have on my resume. Brian, on the other hand, always wanted to be an entrepreneur. He had previously had a couple of companies that he started with his friends. It's something he always wanted to do. So he always had that itch. Um, when I was, I, I think I had a lack of confidence about my ability to be an entrepreneur. When I decided I was leaving my old job and we were moving to Santa Barbara and the idea for this company came about, Brian was instantly all in. He's like, yes, we got it. We're doing this company. And he had the opportunity to stay with his old job. And so the natural progression was for me to be the one that launched the company. And it was also, I mean, it was like, it was my product. It was the product that was designed to serve people like me. So it was, it made a lot of sense for me to be the one to launch our company as Brian continued to work. And what I realized over time are all those reasons why I thought I wouldn't be a good entrepreneur were actually reasons that make me a really great entrepreneur. Um, the jobs that I, you know, the jobs that I took where I had to work really long hours demonstrated that I have, you know, I'll, I'll do what it takes to get the job done. And I'm going to, I'm going to hustle and work hard and make sure I can actually accomplish what I need to accomplish by whatever deadlines we need to make. You know, I, I realized that in areas where maybe they weren't my strong suits, but I knew were important for launching a company, I realized I can just add people to the team to fill in those gaps. Like a good example is sales. Like I will do sales. I It's a huge part of our business. But Brian, that's like what he loves to do. So we have him lead that. And mm -hmm. it's we've just it's just kind of an, more of as I've become aware of, you don't have to be good at everything. You just have to know what you're good at and what you might not be your strong suit and have other people help you with the stuff that maybe isn't like your the thing that you're best at. And once I became comfortable with that mindset, I realized it was just me holding myself back like all these Absolutely. years. Absolutely. Did you become comfortable with the idea of being safe as an entrepreneur as you started the business or did you do that work before you started? It happened over time. Like even once, once we launched the company, I still had this huge doubt in my mind that like it wasn't going to work out or I was going to fail or I wasn't going to be, you know, I still had doubts about it. I, I think it was probably about a year in that I finally was like, okay, like I'm doing this. Now you're fundraising um, currently. Have you always had outside investors or was fundraising a more recent decision? When we started the company, um, we, we self-funded for a while. Um, Brian was working and we, we had a savings that was, I don't know, I think we had set it aside for house, but it went into the business and Brian was still working for a while. So we were taking any extra income from what he was making and putting into the business. Brian left about nine months ago, I guess, to come over full-time for the company. We felt like having two of us doing two of two founders on board full-time would really help escalate the business even faster. Yeah. So we're fundraising now. When we started the business, we didn't know if we were going to do this. I think in our heads, we thought we could self-fund it all. Um, what we didn't realize is how much it takes to go into really growing a business, especially in the space that we're in. 
because we're, we have these big growth goals, that's where the need has come from. And yeah, I, th I think when we started, we didn't know we were going to have to, but when, once we realized how much capital goes into really scaling a business, I mean, everything from us having to buy machines to us now having our own production facility, having employees, all these things add up. So what are your goals and why did you decide to go for the goal of a faster growth? Where are you taking the company? We want to be a national brand, but always staying true to like the integrity of who we are. Like the thing we always say internally, and it's funny because they're in our backyard, but we're, we always say we'd love to be like the Patagonia of food, be a brand that is focused first and foremost on building a good business that treats its employees well, does better for the world. And if we don't make our mark early, we don't know where we'll end up. So our goal is to get out there, get our product out there, get our brand out there, and then be able to build off that, reach mm -hmm. as many people as we can. What does success mean to you personally? I feel successful if we've left this world in a better place. If the company were to, for some reason, like end today and it was just done, and I looked back and thought, like, was our company successful? I would say for sure, because we touched thousands and thousands of people with our better for you food. We've given great people jobs. We are able to support amazing local suppliers, great companies that we buy our ingredients from. So I feel like at this point, like we've made a huge positive impact. T to me, it's just continuing to do that, but in a bigger way. Part of the problem in the food industry right now, it, and part of the reason why it's like you don't see as many products like ours or for a company like ours, every people will see the products on the shelves and think it's really expensive is because people don't understand that a lot of the products on the shelves right now are products that are filled with ingredients that aren't good for you, but that's what's driving the cost down of all those products. Um, so we want to like, if we can play a bigger role in reshaping how people think about food, if we can play a bigger role in just helping revolutionize this food, the packaged food industry as it is right now, that's a way that we can take this impact of making the world a better place and do it on a much larger scale. Just a quick break. It's me, Sarah Danu, founder and creator behind Contrapreneur. Thank you so much for listening. I've just launched a Patreon campaign for Contrapreneur. If you've never heard of Patreon, it's a way you can make the work of creators viable by contributing as little as a dollar or whatever you feel like. I'm really just hoping to cover the cost of editing this podcast. That would be a huge start. I tried to edit these myself, and let's just say you have no idea how grateful you are they are being professionally edited. But that costs money, and it feels better to me to be funded by the people who enjoy and learn from my work rather than advertisers. So if you can, go to patreon.com slash contrapreneur and give a little. This is week one, and I do a little happy dance for every single dollar. If you can spare four virtual quarters this month, it'll mean the world to me. Can you tell me about what it's like to work with your partner in business and if you have to do certain things to keep work and life separate and just what, what that is evolving to be like for okay. you and Brian? For Brian and I, we're the perfect partners. I mean, I, everything that I don't like to do, he does like to do. I have a little bit more of like a type A controlling personality. He's kind of okay with going with what I think we should do. And so it works out well. The The only challenge is that we are constantly thinking and talking about work. This past probably six months, we've had to make a really, we've been consciously making really, really conscious efforts to set aside time where we like can't talk about it. So we're or at least 
can't do work. We maybe we'll still talk about it, but like, for example, we say basically no working on Saturdays. Now, usually we'll end up going to dinner and still talking about it, but we, tr- we try not to as much as possible, uh-huh. but um, just to give our mind like a mental break from everything. The other thing where we actually, one of our new year's resolutions that we're just, we've just been trying over the past few days, but it's been working well so far is doing, you know, screens away by 9 PM and using like that last hour of the evening to read or just have the phone away, have the computer away and just taking that an hour of your day to really disconnect. Can you tell me about a difficult time with Sun and Swell? Um, We currently make all of our products in-house. And when we started the company, it was me and Brian like hand rolling and like renting somebody else's kitchen space, basically like by the hour. As we grew, we added a team underneath us. So we got to this point where we had like eight different staff members working from like, you know, late into the evening. I was just getting to the point where we the all we thought that the only solution to continue to be able to grow with the business was to move our product over to um, what's called a co-manufacturer. So basically somebody else making the product for us, which is very, very typical in the food industry. And so we started planning around that. We had plans to do that for a long time. We had a lot of things kind of relying on that. And something fell through with our co-manufacturer last minute and it didn't happen. And so we felt super stuck. We're like, this was like June of last year. And we're thinking, we don't even know how we're, how we're going to be able to keep up with the demand the, the place we were renting space out of in the evenings, that lease was ending like at the end of the month during that time. I talked to somebody who talked to somebody else who talked to somebody else who ended up telling me that there was basically a commercial kitchen opening up. That's a lease that we could take over. It would be our entirely our own space. Mm. It would mean we were committing to keeping production in house for the next two years. Um, but we would have a huge kitchen, a huge warehouse, our own office space, all for a pretty affordable price. And that's where we ended up being. It worked out so perfectly. I couldn't be more grateful. I love the fact that we've kept manufacturing in-house. I'm proud to say that we're made in California with, you know, our own team and it allows us to be more flexible in terms of like R&D and stuff like that. So I'm so grateful with how it turned out. And I think it was just one of those moments where we kept saying during that time, everything happens for a reason. Everything's going to work out. We'll end up where we need to end up. Like we can't stress about it. Let's just keep going on and trust the universe and ended up in a much better place. How do you take care of yourself to do what you do? Do you have any personal practices that um, are totally outside of work that prepare you for work, Um, be it daily or special things you do every once in a while? I have two things. When I started Sun and Swell, I always had this desire to be a fitness instructor. So I I actually started teaching at this studio, Bar 3, for about a year and a half. I just recently stopped teaching because the demands for Sun and Swell were, were too much. But that is, it's an hour of my day. I can force myself to disconnect. I do, I try to get myself in the studio about three times a week. And there are so many times when I am like, I'm too busy, I can't go to class. And I have the mindset of no matter what, I'm always going to feel better after class. So getting myself into to one of those bar three classes a few times a week definitely helps me stay grounded and stay focused. Um, another thing is I just recently picked up surfing. So that's something I started doing about six months ago. I started taking lessons. I don't go all the time. I go about once a week, once every two weeks. 
I'm still taking lessons. I'm still learning a lot, but it honestly feels very meditative to me. Like I leave my phone on shore. I'm out in this like wide open ocean. I think that feeling that you get after taking a yoga class of just feeling really connected to the world is like how I feel after going out in the water for a little bit. So that's something I'm really grateful I discovered. Um, I wanted to ask you about how you are selling your product because what you're saying about it being competitive is truer than true. And I wondered what channels you're finding really successful and what other channels like you thought might've worked out, but weren't exactly as lucrative as you'd hoped. For sure. So um, yeah, so we focus primarily on what we call alternative channels. So that's coffee shops, workspaces, fitness studios, places where people are spending most of their day outside of the grocery store stores because that's where when you look at where you're spending your day and when you need a grab and go bite it's when you're out and about that was kind of our initial thought behind the launching the company is we're making these little grab and go packs let's get them in places where people who are eating whole real foods are having trouble finding other products a big thing for me was coffee shops I remember going to coffee shops and being like grateful if they had a banana because that was probably the only product I'd be able to eat and most of the time they wouldn't even have a banana and so I couldn't eat anything. And, you know, so that airports is another one and um, hotels, all these places where it's just so hard to find really wholesome, healthy snacks. We're in the Santa Barbara airport and we do really well there. We're looking, yeah, that's like one of the places we're looking to grow into more. It's a little bit of a a tricky channel, but yeah, we're looking, that's like a a big opportunity for us, I think. Cause I mean, how often are you in airports and there's nothing to eat? (laughs) Oh my goodness. It's terrible. We were traveling to the East Coast for the holidays and I literally had in my bag like all these like vegetables with us because we're like, we're not going to find anything when we're at the airport. Yeah. And they always will leak and you're always going to get pulled over by TSA to be asked more questions. And if you don't do it, you're going to be fasting for maybe up to 48 hours. And I'm right with you. Our growth so far has primarily been from like these in, in these like independent coffee shops, cafes, eateries. One thing we haven't talked about yet, but that we're really excited about is we're launching compostable packaging. But what it means is the compostable packaging plus our high quality ingredients, plus the fact that we're made in a small production facility here in Southern California, like our product's going to remain a slightly more premium product. So we need to make sure we're positioning ourselves in places where that's okay. And that does, that does limit some of our opportunities. Like we probably weren't going to be in every grocery store, but um, we're okay with that. When we launched our company, like our overall mission was to bring whole real food to people. We also wanted to do that in a way that's as sustainable as possible. 50% of our ingredients are from sourced from um, California and the other 50% are sourced from suppliers based in Santa Barbara that bring them in. As we dove into this industry, as we started to learn more and more about the, the world of food and how much waste there is, we started to have this itch of like, okay, what can we do to do better here? Something that we thought about, well, like, is it worth even doing this if half the people buying our products or more than half might not even have like a city that does composting, but the problem of packaging needs to be solved from the ground up. And the more and more companies that are, you know, cities aren't going to change if there's not a need to change. Does Santa Barbara offer industrial composting? Mm -hmm. Yeah, they do. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. yeah. So, and you have a big customer base there, so totally. it makes yeah. it reasonable yeah. to uh, yeah. invest in that. It's not the solution to everything, but we feel like it's a step in the right direction and um, mm-hmm. we're excited about it. 
I just wondered if online came after your in-person channels, what's your online strategy? So we actually launched, like we did, we did like a soft launch, I guess, online when we first started. We knew from the beginning that like the snack food category, it's not a category that people tend to buy a lot of online. And if they do, they're probably buying through Amazon or Threat. You know, it's it's not common for somebody to go on to a website and buy a single product um, unless you can really get them on like a subscription model. But I guess I would say we have, we're online, we have, um, we have a strategy there but we don't have the money right now to put into digital marketing and to really driving awareness online. And without that, it's it's hard to make that like the primary point of your business. If you combine Amazon too, like 20% of our sales are online. So it's still a good piece of our business, but it's almost all driven by people finding us in stores and then going to our website and buying us. Final question, who are three people or businesses that you look up to? What I've been able to accomplish is such a combination of what like my mom and my dad have given me separately. A little background, my dad was a corporate attorney, so he kind of worked the corporate life his entire career. My mom stayed at home when we were kids and did a lot of like the cooking at home, um, ended up going to culinary school when she was in her 40s or early 50s, and now she actually makes chocolate. I feel like I'm kind of the blend of both of them. And I've gotten different, you know, like, so for my mom, she's actually our recipe developer. So she's always had this passion for food and culinary. And um, when I was younger growing up, I didn't think I was interested, but it's kind of come full circle now that we have a food company and she's developing our recipes. She, you know, really instilled in me this sense of, you know, empathy and caring for everything in the world around you. She's somebody who will, she won't ever kill a spider in the house. She's going to pick it up and move it outside. You know, so she's, she, I think from her, I've gotten a lot of just the wanting to care for our employees, wanting to care for the environment, really having that, that sense of compassion for everything around us. And that, I think that really helps as a, as a business leader. And from my dad, he's always, you know, taught me the value of working really hard, putting in your time, and it always pays off. And they both have been really amazing support throughout this whole process. When I look at who's really like a business role model for me, um, I talked about Bar 3, which is the, the fitness studio that I taught at, and now I'm a client at. That is founded by a woman named Sadie Lincoln. Bar 3 is a pretty big organization now. They have over 130 studios throughout the U.S. They're growing a lot, and she's really instilled into the culture of the whole organization, which I can attest to as both a client and an employee. Um, just the importance of balance, the importance of not worrying about perfection, being okay with who you are. The company grows and the organization's a lot bigger. Who's a CEO that or a founder that I want to be like? It's definitely, she's the one that always, I would say, comes to mind. So if people want to learn more about Sun and Swell or maybe try your products, where can they find you? The best place to find us is on our website, which is www.sunandswellfoods.com. And we're also sold on Amazon. And also if you live in Southern California or the Bay Area, um, we're in a lot of local coffee shops and cafes. Thanks so much for your time today and talking to me. It was yeah, great to get to know you and learn about your journey to create Sun and Swell. It Thanks. Was nice to you. This isn't sponsored, but Kate generously gave us a discount code, Contrepreneur20, for 20% off your first order at Sun and Swell. If you're a contrepreneur, chances are you stay pretty busy and care about putting good, nourishing food in your body. These are a great quick snack you can keep in your bag to always have with you whenever and wherever you get hungry. The ingredients are pure and everything is delicious. 
I really love the oatmeal cacao chip queen cookie bites, and the roasted nuts and seeds are amazing. You can find them on sunandswellfoods.com or through the link at the bottom of our show notes. Contrapreneur 20 will get you 20% off your first order. Thanks for tuning in to Contrapreneur this week. I'd love to hear what you learned. Find me on Instagram at Contrapreneur and leave a comment telling me one thing you learned this week. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd really appreciate it if you gave us a positive review. You can also support the production and editing of our work by Venmoing us at Contrapreneur or going to contrapreneurship.com slash donate. Even $1 will help me pay to have these edited so I can keep producing Contrapreneur. Talk with you again soon.